the places that they're staying in, in Rome, that they're kind of uh, sojourning through, that's not their permanent residence. That's their temporary home. And I think it's important to note that because just like the people Peter is writing to, we as Christians in this world are only here temporarily. This is not our permanent dwelling. We who are Christians, we who are born again, are no longer citizens of this world, but we are citizens of heaven. So this world is only temporary. The trials we go through are only temporary. And it's important that we kind of look and see how can we live in this world, this world of suffering and pain and hardship, how can we live in this world and, and live in the reality of the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ? And that's what Peter is telling these people here. He tells them two things in these verses, which are the two things I want us to focus on. The first one is that our hope is secure. Our hope is secure not because of anything we do or are doing, but because of who our hope rests in and who our hope is in. Who is our hope dependent on? Is it dependent on us? No, it is dependent on Christ. And that is how we can live in that reality of our living hope is because our hope is not dependent on us. It is dependent on Christ. And the second thing is, so we know we're citizens of heaven, right? But we still go through things here on this earth. We go through trials. We go through suffering. How can we live in the reality of our living hope while we go through these things? And Peter tells us, so one, our hope is secure. And the second is that our trials are very much necessary. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, it says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. I could just leave right now and that would be it. Some of you are like, oh yes, come on. I got a reservation at IHOP, you know. So our hope is secure, and we can see that in the verses 3 through 5. And the first thing that is important for us to note is that our hope is not dependent on us. 
It's not dependent on, on what we have done or what we will do in the future. It says here that according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. So we need to note here who is doing the work, right? We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We weren't just sick. We were dead. We were on the bottom of the ocean floor of our sin and transgressions. We were dead, rotting away, and He caused us to be born again. Our hope is completely dependent on Christ, and we know that Christ is eternal and He's all-powerful, right? Do we know that this morning, that Christ is eternal and all-powerful? We know this when we are born again, as Scripture tells us, we are, given, we are given a new life, we are given a new birth, we are new creations in Christ, and we are given a true living hope, as Peter tells us here. And this living hope is what we are now living in as Christians. This is our reality now. Because we did not have hope before. We were without hope. We were dead. We were hopeless. But God, through His mercy, breathed life into our lungs and brought us new life, new eternal life. I heard John Piper say it this way. He said, in the same way that a baby cries when they're born, they go, wah, 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 or it's more like just a constant scream. When we are reborn in Christ, our cry now is hope. Hope, hope. That is a beautiful, beautiful reality. It's a reality for us now that God, it's an expectation that God will deliver on His promises. God's promises will always come true. They will always come to pass because of who He is. And I think that is why there is just so much false hope in the world today because People put their hope and their faith and their trust in the things of this world that fade and wither and pass away. We need a hope that is secure. We need a hope that is eternal, that is living. And if obtaining our hope was dependent on the things that we do or the efforts of other people or other creatures, we would surely be let down 110% of the time because the things of this world pass away. I will never go skydiving. Hear me out. I just don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's wise. I mean, maybe you like going skydiving. I don't know, but I will never go skydiving for this reason. One, I'm already terrified getting into a plane. Perfectly good plane. I'm already scared. I would be more terrified to jump out of one. But let's say, let's imagine in a, in a totally different world, where I did jump out of an airplane. What if my parachute doesn't open? Pull your reserve chute. Okay, what if that doesn't open? I'm just going to splatter and hit the ground. And if, it, if it's dependent on me to pull the reserve chute, I can tell you right now, if the first one doesn't open, I'm passing out. <laughs> I'm not going to be awake anymore. So if it's a, dependent on me to pull that chute, it's over. It's over with. Have you ever had someone depend on you or, or hope in you for something? I know if you're anything like me, 
it is a very stressful situation because you don't want to let people down, right? It's not in our nature. We want people to be proud of us. We want people to depend on us, and it's stressful. We don't want to let them down. And it's important for us to know that God, He will never let us down. He might not do the things we want, or He might not do the things how we, he, we want Him to do them, but He knows what is best for us, right? He knows us better than we know ourselves. Unlike these earthly hopes, God will never pass away. His promises will never fade. The things He has in store for us will never fade. We are born to a living hope, an active hope, not a dead hope. We were born to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you, why can we trust in Christ? Why can we put all of our hope, why can we literally put our life in His hands why can, be, why can we root ourselves in Him? Why? Because He lives. He is alive. When He died, He did not stay dead, but He rose again, securing our salvation. That is why we can put our hope and our trust in Him. Job says this in chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end He will stand on the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see Him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. And that comes after He's lost everything. He's lost His kids, He's lost His house, He's lost His riches, and He says that, His hope is in the Redeemer. And through His resurrection, we have gained a hope, a true living hope that death has been defeated, sin has been defeated, and we have eternal life. And this hope is so much heavier and far greater than anything that this world has to offer us. No matter what this world offers us, no matter what kind of crazy hope they tell us to put our faith, hope, and trust in, if it is not Christ, it is not hope at all. It is not true, eternal hope. We need a hope that is eternal, that far reaches beyond any human efforts or human will. We need a hope that is not affected by the craziness of this world. We need a secure hope. You know, I watch videos on YouTube about, uh, I don't do it frequently, but I watched a video about death row inmates, and they could be on, on death row for years and years before they're actually executed. And there's a small glimmer of hope for them because up until the last hour of their, before their execution, they could receive a pardon from the governor to where they wouldn't be executed anymore. But on the same note, that hope can be taken away in an instant because maybe they don't receive that pardon. So all that hope they were holding on to up until then, in an instant, that hope is dead and gone. 
And we can know that our hope is alive because the one who brought us that hope is alive. Our hope is alive because Christ is alive. Our, our hope is not resting on human efforts, but it is resting on the perfect work of our Savior. Something that we can hold on to. And in verse 4 it says that we were not only born again to a living hope through Christ, but we were given an inheritance. An inheritance that is undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. And this verse is kind of similar to Matthew 6, where it says, Do not store for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust can destroy and, and thieves break in and steal. But store for yourself treasures in heaven, where those things aren't there, right? We have an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. We don't have to worry about it being taken away from us. It's in a secure location that no man is able to touch or take. It is secure by God himself. And there is nothing we could possibly imagine that even gets close to the beauty of that inheritance for us. We can see through these verses that our hope is secure. It is so secure that death can't touch it, death can't take it, and sin can't corrupt it. That is a hope I want my hope to be in. That is a hope that I want to be resting on. And we can see later in verse 5 that we will definitely receive that inheritance. We will definitely receive the reality of our hope in the end. So we know that we're saved by our faith in Christ, right? It is by, gra by grace through faith that we are saved. Have you ever thought, I know I have, have you ever thought, what if my faith isn't good enough? What if it's not strong enough to, what if I'm not believing enough in Christ to truly be saved or to truly gain this inheritance? I grew up in a church that taught that if you don't essentially keep up the maintenance on your faith or your salvation, that you would surely lose it. I never felt truly secure in my standing with the Lord. Verse 5 tells us that God is guarding us through faith. We are being kept just like our inheritance is being kept, we are being kept. God will bring us all the way to the end, folks. If you're ever worried about making it to heaven, don't be, because God is the one carrying us all the way to the end. He who began a good work in you will complete it. Praise the Lord, because if, if that work was up to me, I don't know that I would complete it, and it would not be going very well for me. It's important to understand that our faith is a gift from God, and even the increasing of our faith comes from God. 
and the reality that our faith will one day be our sight is being carried out by God as well. When we make it to heaven one glorious day, it will not be because of us. It will be because of Christ and Christ alone. So not only is our inheritance very, very secure, but so are we. Not because of our own striving, but because of God holding us and guarding us and keeping us. You know, that's the issue with an earthly inheritance, right? Let's say you're set to inherit millions and millions of dollars. What if there's nuclear warfare, or the banks crash, or whatever, all the money's gone. Your inheritance is gone. Or what if we die, and we don't get the inheritance? Our inheritance that this earth offers is not secure, but our inheritance that God offers is secure, and we are secure to get it in the end. Our faith would not even exist if it were not for God's grace and mercy on our lives. Before we ever knew Him, He loved us. Before we ever sought Him, He sought us. He sought us first. Before the foundation of the world, you were chosen. You should feel very secure in that. And God didn't need us. He didn't need us for his plan, but he wanted us. If you ever wonder how secure you are in the Lord, just look at the cross. Look at the price Jesus paid and know that before the beginning of time, you were chosen in Christ. That's how secure you are. God wants you and he loves you so much that Christ had to come and die for us so that we can be made right with Him. We know that as His children, there is nothing that can separate us from His love. Amen? That is a beautiful, beautiful reality for us. If we look over in verse 18, I'll start in verse 17. It says, And if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. We were not just ransomed with the blood of another billy goat or a bull. We were ransomed with the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is ever-flowing and ever-effective to cover our sins. We are rooted and secure in the heart of God as His children. From eternity past, we are secure in His heart. And it is in that, it's in that reality of three through five that we can say in verse six, rejoice says, in this, in what? In verses 3 through 5, we were born again to a living hope. We were born again to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and kept in heaven for you. We are being guarded through God. 
in that we can rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Our trials are necessary. How can, what does that even mean? How can we rejoice and the same time be grieved? How does that even happen? They seem like two totally different things. How do they go together? For the Christian, they do go together. For the Christian, they're not separate. We can have rejoicing in the midst of grief. And we, we can really have that reality because, like I said, because we can rejoice through our suffering because of the eternal hope and the glory of the beautiful gospel that was carried out by Christ. You know, though the world is so harsh towards Christians, it seems like a lot of times we suffer unjustly. And, and though we do, we can rejoice because of our eternal hope. Knowing our future reality allows us to have present hope. Here and now, knowing what's in store for us can allow us to have hope here and now. You know, we're not just called to kind of stick our heads in the sand and wait for the Lord's return, although it would be probably be easier that way, right? If we could just stay in our houses and not have to go through the stuff that this world gives us. But we're not called to that. We're called to the, endure the hardships of life. We're called to, to suffer. And just like verse 6 says, we're called to grieve through our various trials, trials that God deems necessary. We can rejoice in our suffering because of our future hope. We can rejoice in our suffering because we know that God has ordained these sufferings in our lives for a reason. What is the reason? Verse 7 tells us, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter is referencing gold here, and he references how gold is proof by fire. And what the fire does is it brings out all the impurities in the gold, and, and then you have a pure piece of gold. That is the same thing that our trials are doing. In fact, we're told here that our faith is far more precious than gold. Gold is a very, very precious metal, especially in the days of the Bible, even today. You know, if you watch any movie where they're hunting for treasure, I would say 100% of the time there's gold there. Gold is a very precious thing to the world, but our faith is far more precious than that. So how much more should we expect our faith to be proofed through the trials that God gives us? Our trials are necessary, and so is the grieving that we have through them. It's not always fun, is it? I've never gone through suffering and been like, 
yeah, this is pretty good. Oftentimes, I'm like, God, why is this happening? I wish he would just tell me that this is going to be the result. And then I'll be like, okay, yeah, I'll endure it. Sure. But it's through the grieving and it's through the hardship that our faith is refined. True faith is refined by the trials in our lives. God knows exactly what needs to happen for our faith to be purified. The cry of all of our hearts should be, make me less like me and more like Christ. I don't want to be like Kyle anymore. My pride, my selfish ambitions, my laziness, I don't want to be like me anymore. I want to be more like Christ. And I would love to say, God, whatever you got to do to make me more like him, do it. But that might be a scary thing for us to pray, right? It is through the pains of this life that we are made more and more into the image of Christ. I love to smoke meat in my smoker. And one of the things you got to know when you're smoking meat is the longer you smoke it in there, the longer you leave it in there and let the smoke penetrate it and render the fat and really pull out all those juices and flavors, the longer you let it go through that, the better tasting meat you're going to have. You're going to have a good piece of meat the longer you let it sit in there. And it's the same way for our trials, right? Or think about working out. You want to build muscle? What's the first thing you got to do? You got to break it down. Don't just stop when it gets uncomfortable. Don't just stop when it hurts. Push through. Because the breaking down of the muscle is going to produce more muscle. God is purifying his people. He's purifying our faith through our trials. And this has been happening all throughout the Bible, not just the New Testament. If you look at the Old Testament... God oftentimes caused his people to suffer. If you look at Jeremiah, most of that book is showing us that God has has caused his people to suffer, not to just leave them, but to purify his people, to purify his church, and to call them to repentance. And although he may cause his people to be cast down for a season, we're never ultimately not his children. We might be cast down for a season, but we're never ultimately cut off from being his children. And we can, we can take great comfort in knowing that a father disciplines those who he loves, right? If the Lord is disciplining you, praise the Lord. That means he loves you. The result of a purified faith is praise, honor, and glory on the day of the revelation of Jesus Christ. We are promised, guys, we are promised that if we participate with Christ in suffering and in his death, we will also participate in his glorification. Romans 8 tells us, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs 
heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So you're telling me we who were dead sinners, dead in our sins, wretched sinners who hated God, we get to participate with Christ and His glorification. We're now royalty. Is that what Peter is telling us here? Is that what Paul told us in Romans 8? We are now royalty in the house of God, and we will one day be glorified with Him. That's crazy. That's the beauty of the gospel. God saves us sinners. And He doesn't hold, us, hold it over our head. He invites us in. We are co-heirs with Christ, the King of the universe. Co-heirs with Christ. If we suffer all this life, then have eternity to spend without it, you can count me in. We should take a great, great comfort in that hope and that reality. That is the hope and reality that we can hold on to as His children. And verse 8 and 9 show us that true saving faith, true hope in Christ will bring us a joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory. The only way that we can have true joy that is inexpressible and full of glory is if it is found in Christ. And we are told in verse 9 that the outcome of, our, of true saving faith is the salvation of our souls. That is what our faith is pointing towards. And we don't have to worry about it failing because God is the one guarding us and bringing us to the outcome of our faith. God had a plan to save us from eternity past. Before we could ever do anything, God had a plan to save us. Church, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged because restoration is coming. When Christ returns, we will have a new heaven and a new earth. Restoration is coming. We shall behold our Savior. We will be dwelling with God in His fullness in the new creation. We were born again to a living hope and to an inheritance that is pure, that we can guarantee we are going to inherit because God is keeping us. And it's in that reality that we can rejoice in the here and now. This life is very, very hard sometimes, or all the time, really. But we know that we have a Savior who is right there with us every step of the way. And we know that these trials we go through, they're not meaningless. They're not random. But God uses them 
and he has ordained them to purify us and to make us more and more into his image, to draw us nearer to him. May we take comfort in knowing that after this life of suffering is over, we will be glorified with Christ. And it is in Christ, Christ alone, that our eternal living hope is secure. Christ is our hope. If you've come in here today looking for hope, looking for meaning, looking for purpose, looking for life, you can find that in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. Fully God and fully man, he came to earth, lived a perfect life we couldn't live, died the death that we deserved, and he rose again on the third day, proving he is who he said he was, and he is now ascended at the right hand of the Father. You want hope? You want peace? You want eternal life? That is only found in Christ. And it is a beautiful exchange when we put our faith in Christ. We get Christ's righteousness. We get his perfect life. We get eternal life. What does Christ get in return? Our sin. Christ took our sin upon himself. He took the wrath of God upon himself so that we wouldn't have to suffer it. That is a gracious and beautiful God, guys. If you're looking for hope today, you can find it in Christ. Put your faith in him and know the only way, the only life you have is found in him. Pray with me. Lord, we praise you and we thank you, Father. You have given us your righteousness, Lord. We don't have a righteousness of our own. It is a righteousness from you and you alone, Father. Through Christ, Lord, through you, we have eternal life. And through you, we are considered righteous for a perfect and holy God, Lord. We thank you for that reality, Lord. I pray that this is not just another thing that we know, but I pray it is a reality that we live in as your children, Father. You have saved us. You have redeemed us. You have brought us from the pit. You have brought us from the grave and seated us with you at your table, Lord. You have brought us into your family, Father. Lord, may we know that our salvation comes from you and you alone. And may we know that our hope is secure in you and you alone. You are the only hope this world has, Father. You are the only true and living eternal hope. May we know that today, Lord, and may we leave here sharing that hope with the broken, hopeless world around us, Father. May we tell the world that there is true hope. In your precious name we pray, amen. We're going to take this time and just dwell on the beauty of God's Word and what He promises us through that. There is a prayer team in the back. If you're in here today looking for hope, you can find that in Jesus Christ. I want to urge you 
plead with you to go pray with them in the back. And even if you are a Christian, you still need prayer. We have them in the back to pray with us and to help us and to encourage us. It is a beautiful gift. So I want to urge you to just take this time to dwell on what God promises us. May we behold the gospel, the beauty of the gospel. May we always know that Christ is our eternal and living hope. Amen.